Well, good morning. It is so good to see uh, all of you here. Great to have all of you who are joining us online this morning. So um, this morning is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a really cool service um, because we're going to do a children's dedication as a part of the service here this morning. And um, of course, there's going to be a part for the, the parents that they're going to play in this of the kids that we're going to be dedicating this morning. But there's also going to be an important role for you all as a part of the church uh, this morning. And part of the reason that we're going to be doing this is this comes out of this value we have uh, that around here we call our multi-generational value. Where uh, we value this idea of being a church that isn't just representing one or two generations, but, but trying to be multi-generational, trying to be a community of Christ followers that's made up of all the different generations uh, that, that we have uh, here. So um, that's what's going to be driving it this morning. There's a, there's a psalm that kind of captures a little bit of the heart of this that I want to uh, read to you. This is found in Psalm 145, starting in verse 2. It, it says this. It says, and the psalmist writes, Every day I will praise you and, ex and exalt uh, your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. And then it says this in verse 4. One generation commends your works to another. And it goes on and it's this idea of just uh, how one generation is connected to the other. How there's, how there's this thing that plays out between generations in God's church and God's uh, family that becomes this really beautiful thing. Um, and we want to value that because there's all of these wonderful things that come out of it. You know, when you become a community that connects to multiple generations, um, it gives you unique opportunities to learn how to love in more sacrificial ways. It opens your mind because you, you have to begin thinking and understanding different generations, maybe about their relationship with God and how it's a little bit different than yours. And so it has this way of pulling us forward, giving us opportunities to love in beautiful ways, but also gives us opportunities to be loved, to be affirmed and honored by other generations. And it becomes this really cool thing. Um, but I'll say this too. It's also a difficult thing, right? Any church that says we're going to be a multi-generational church, we're really going to seek to try and be that church that includes all generations, um, it has its tensions because every generation has things that they do that, they, that become deeply meaningful to them that another generation may not find as deeply meaningful. And so it, can, it creates these tensions. And this is a value that is not new to Casas. So I grew up in this church. Um, I remember uh, all the way back when I was probably like in middle school, maybe high school, but I think it was like middle school, um, uh, that value lived out at this church. And you know, when I was in uh, middle school here at this church, um, Sunday morning services felt a little different than they do uh, now. So like, um, we, we had music, uh, but the only instruments on the platform were a piano and an organ. In fact, if you wanted to refer to one side of, the, of this platform or another, there was the piano side over here, and there was the organ side over here, and then a great big choir, right? There were no drums. There were no electric guitars. There were no guitars, right, let alone an electric guitar, right? Um, and, we, and everything we sang came from a, a hymnal. And uh, we dressed differently. We were 
far less casual uh, than we are today in this. And I remember the leadership at that point, uh, the senior pastor before me, uh, Roger Barrier and Gary Schrader, uh, our worship leader was a guy by the name of Miller Cunningham. They held this multi-generational value and they understood that like my generation, um, the hymns and stuff that we were singing, like that's, like that, that wasn't the normal stuff we were listening to at school or whatever. And so they decided to have a concert where they would bring in a contemporary Christian artist. Um, his name was Brian Duncan. Uh, he was one of the first contemporary Christian artists that we had uh, play at this church. And not on a Sunday morning, right? And Brian Duncan, how many of you even know who Brian Duncan is? Oh, a few of you, okay, yeah. So, like, Brian Duncan dressed like a musician. And he had instruments, like he played a keyboard, not a piano, a keyboard. And he had, like, drummers and electric guitar players as a part of his band. And, uh, and he had an earring. And back then, yeah, oh, I'm telling you, for a guy to wear an earring, that was like, well, I don't know if he can be a Christian. I mean, you know, <laughs> just in Brian Duncan calls himself a Christian and he's got an earring. Uh, I don't know what to do with this, man. But like Roger and Gary Miller, they're like, but th this, like, this, would, this would help make Casas something that our youngest generation could connect to and all of this. And I remember uh, they brought Brian Duncan here and um, Miller had to have a little conversation with Brian, like, you know, okay. And then Brian Duncan related uh, I think it was Brian Duncan who, who told us because he met either before or after the concert and it was like on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, something like that. And he goes, you know, in all my years, there's only one person I've ever taken my earring out for. And it was Miller Cunningham, right? I haven't, I, I haven't even taken my earring out for my own mom, <laughs> but for Miller, because Miller's just like, so Brian, like, we, we, we can get away with your haircut. And we can get away with the way you're dressed. And we'll even let, you know, your guitar player plug in his guitar, okay? <laughs> but the earring, oh, you know. But here's the thing. Here's what I love about this. There's this thing where Brian Duncan understood what this church was trying to do. That this church was trying to bring generations together. And so for Brian, like, this was like an act of love. It's like, okay, I, I'll, I'll give up something of me in this moment. Because Brian could have said, no, listen. I'm going to just be true to myself, and I'm good in my own conscience, and I, you know, I come with an earring, right? But he didn't, right? He's just like, okay, if it, if it means getting to play some of my music, because that would help connect some of the kids to this church, okay, I, I can pull the earring off. But I also know we had, we had older generations in this church that I know, Brian Duncan was not their kind of music, but they supported it. Because they were like, you know what, I, I, we'll, we'll, we'll try and, you know, maybe God will be okay with this, you know, kind of a thing. Because if it brings in the young people and it helps them connect to God, then, okay, we'll do that. See that? There's tension in being a multi-generational church. But it's worth it. It's worth it. And, and may I say this too? You know, the other thing that I have learned over the decades of this is one of the most beautiful things it does is it helps all of us of any generation become a little bit more humble and a little bit more open and see that the God that we worship is maybe bigger than we thought, right? Because if the God that we worship only fits and only understands our generation, 
and we can't see that God is bigger than our generation and all the things that we think and believe, but that God, act, that God is working and dealing with other generations in other unique and beautiful ways, all of a sudden we get to see that our God is actually bigger and more dynamic than we ever saw before. It is this beautiful thing. And so one of the things that we do here at this church, and we don't do it often on a Sunday morning like this, but we have children's dedications. And it's, it's about um, honoring and helping those parents and those kids find a place here in our church. And so this morning, as we have this children's dedication, um, I want to just explain a couple of things in this. One, uh, you know, when you think about, like, what is a children's dedication? What does that mean? And when you think about the word dedicate, think about commitment. There's a commitment, or a, we're dedicating ourselves to something in this. So the dedication part isn't that the kid is making a dedication in this, because some of them are babies, all different ages here. Um, it's about the parents dedicating themselves to something. But it's also about us as a church dedicating ourselves to something in this, this multi-generational value, dedicating ourselves to a hope that we have in God and dedicating ourselves to helping that next generation find Christ and find God in a meaningful, relevant way that is an act of love. And one of the, one of the ways we live this value out here at Casas is we have always asked that the older generations initiate reaching back to make a space for the younger generations. What we don't do is we don't start with the younger generation and say, okay, we want you to figure out the older generation and find a way to fit in with the older generation, right? We'll ask them to do that, but it starts with the older generation modeling and say, okay, we'll we will reach back and try and make a place, a space for you here in this church. And one of the ways we do that um, is with a children's uh, dedication, kind of beginning here. So it's about, it's about what we're dedicating ourselves to. Now, I want to walk through a passage of Scripture here that will help you understand a few things. There are three things in particular that, that we're saying that we're dedicating ourselves to as we live out this val a multi-generational value. And to do that, I want to look at this passage in Hebrews. I, I'm not going to take long with this, but I want to look at this passage in Hebrews that talks about this hope that we have, this hope in God and Christ that we have, because that becomes the foundation for what we're dedicating ourselves to in all of this. And uh, before I read the passage, just know that this passage uses a lot of symbolism going back to the Old Testament temple and even further back. In fact, it's going to talk about the Old Testament temple where there was a giant curtain that separated a room from the holy place. And then on the other side of the curtain was what was known as the Holy of Holies, the place where God, where his presence was, where he resided. And it was only the high priest that could go back there. And the high priest could only go back there one time a year, right? And the, the writer of Hebrews is going to unfold this beautiful thing about what Jesus does and how it gives us this kind of hope. And I want to take this passage and I want to extract some things that we can apply to this idea of what is the hope that we have for what we would dedicate ourselves to with these young people here. So if you have your Bibles, look with me in um, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6. Um, I want to look at this uh, passage 
here, looking at starting with verse 19. It says this. We have this hope, right? Here's this hope. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It, and, and again, this is a reference to Jesus here, it enters the inner sanctuary, speaking of the temple, behind the curtain, that curtain I was talking about. Verse 20, where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So he acts as this kind of priest of the order of Melchizedek. And I'm going to talk about uh, what that means uh, here in a moment. Uh, but first, let me start by going through these three things that we begin to just see out of this passage that I want to apply to this morning. And the first one is this. I'm going to make this real practical. Um, we, we put our hope in God. So when it comes to... Um, like, we're always going to worry about the generation behind us, right? And there's this funny thing that's been going on probably for thousands of years, right? Every generation goes, okay, we've had it all together. But this next generation, oh my gosh, oh, I'm worried about them, right? It's all like, we always worry about the generation after us. So here's the place it starts, though. Our hope isn't anchored in that generation, starting with that generation itself. My goodness, think about your own generation. Think about where your own generation started. Good thing we didn't anchor our hope in that, right? Because we could look at every generation and say, oh man, there's problems, right? right? There's problems with every generation, you bet. But we as a church, the reason we can have hope for where the church is going to go in the future, that this next generation is gonna carry on the mantle, is gonna move forward, is because our hope isn't in me or you, our hope begins, is anchored in, in God. God's got them. Just like God had my generation, and God had the generation before me, and God's got your generation in this. That is, that is the place that we start. Look at what he says, right? He says, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. See, no matter what the differences are between my generation and the gen generation older than me, and the generation younger than me, we have this thing that unites us. And it is the one who went behind that curtain and made a way for my generation, the generation older than mine, the generation younger than mine, and it's Jesus. That is our hope. And so when we think about that, we realize God, God created each and every one of us with a dream, with a vision of who he created us to be. So when we think about that younger generation, our hope is anchored in God that he, it starts there, he will help them become all that he created them to be. That is our deepest desire. Our desire is not that they become who I want them to be, right? Our desire is not that I want the next generation to be just like my generation, right? No. Because God made that, the individuals in that next generation unique and special in their own way. Just like God didn't ask us to become clones of the generation before us. So part of our job is we anchor ourselves in God so that we can let that next generation be all that God made them to be. Even if it's a little different than ours. Second thing is this. Um, we will model the way of Jesus. We're going we're gonna to dedicate ourselves that how we help that next generation is we're going to model the way of Jesus. Look at verse 20. It says, he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So here's the thing about this. Melchizedek was the very first pri uh, priest mentioned 
in Scripture. It goes all the way back to the time of Abraham, like before Moses, way, way back there. And there's a couple of things about the role of a priest here, and I'm going to mention one of them here. And part of it was to model for the people how to relate to God what the steps are, what it is like. Priests have always had that role. You see this even in the Old Testament. So part of this, what we are committing ourselves to is, we're not going to just tell the next generation what to do, right? We're going to model it. It's not just saying, well, you need to do this, and you better do this, and you know, love this way. We're going to model this. And there's kind of a vulnerable thing in there, isn't there? It means modeling moments where we don't have it all figured out. It's modeling those moments of, how to love, uh, modeling those moments of how to wrestle and struggle with things, modeling those moments of trusting God with faith, because that, that will help that next generation. So part of what we're going to commit, what the parents are going to commit to their own children, what we're going to commit to as a church, we're going to model the way. We're going to model the way uh, in all of this. I think about what... Um, Roger and Gary and Miller and Brian Duncan did back when I was a middle schooler, they modeled something for me, didn't they? They modeled what it meant to sacrifice something so that you could help someone else. And you know, I look back to that and think about what it was like for me to sit in this church and hear music and to, and to have something that connected with me. Casas became my church. It wasn't just my parents' church. It was my church, and, and we can model the way uh, on this. Third thing, third thing is this. Um, we will allow them to make their faith their own. If you want to be a multi-generational church, when you reach back to that next generation to help them, we have to let them make their faith their own. So uh, Melchizedek, interesting thing. He was a priest that came prior to the Mosaic law. So all the things you see about the law and all of the rules and everything, Melchizedek was a priest before that. He was a priest, uh, his order, his way was of faith, of faith. And what the, uh, what the writers of, he of Hebrews says here, it's really interesting in verse 18. If you look up at the verse before, I read before that, it says this, it says, um, we who have fled, and it's speaking of that generation of, of, of Christians, of fled, uh, we who have fled uh, to take hold of the hope set before us. Speaking of the, their faith, there's this hope that they take hold of, this faith in Jesus Christ. And in the Greek, this word to take hold of um, is used with the idea of it is to possess, it is to own. What God put before them was a faith that they got to own. It was theirs. What we don't do, and this is what happens so often, it's so easy. Any generation, it's like, okay, we've wrestled through all of these things and we've tried to make it relevant to our world and we've dealt with, you know, these theological beliefs and we've dealt with these kinds of practices and, you know, here, here's how we behave in church and here's how we don't behave in church and here's how we interpret this passage of Scripture and we wrestle through all of this thing. It's like, we did all of this work and now we're going to give it to the next generation as a gift and we do that and that is beautiful. But too often what we want to do is say, okay, here it is. Now don't mess with it at all, right? Don't just take it as it is. Don't even think about it. Just here's how to be a Christian, right? We can't do that. You didn't do that. You remember, do you remember when your faith 
hit some new level. Remember, I bet for each and every one of you, there was a moment when, like, okay, like you, like, you know, there was the God thing and you went to church as a family or whatever it was. And, but do you remember a moment when all of a sudden you're like, this is real now. All of a sudden, it's like God made his way and connected with you in some profound way where this was no longer just something you did because your parents did it or family did it or a friend did it. You did it because you found a unique connection with God and it was yours. That was a gift, wasn't it? Too often, we, we, we get nervous about letting the younger generation wrestle with all of those things. We want them to just hold on to our practices and our beliefs and just like, you know, it would be like me going back and asking uh, the middle schoolers and the high schoolers now, okay, I just want you listening to Brian Duncan, maybe a little Amy Grant. Okay, <laughs> they don't even know who Amy Grant is, right? <laughs> it's, it's, they need to have the place where they get to wrestle with those things and make it their own. That's a beautiful gift. And, and we wanna make a commitment to saying, God, we're gonna trust you to let them, that you'll walk with them. We get to be a part of it, but we don't dictate it. We walk with them. We model the way. And we're going to commit ourselves, even with these youngest kids in our church, we're going to be this kind of church in this. So um, we're now going to step into this part of the service where we're actually uh, going to have the dedication part. So I'm going to ask the parents and their kids to go ahead and come on up here. Um, while they're doing that, let me explain a little bit uh, about what we're going to uh, do here. So after they get up here, I'm going to introduce uh, each of them to you. And up on the screens, you're going to see some pictures of, of their kids, um, but also they've each picked out a life verse. And you're, we're going to put that life verse up on the screen. And then, as a part of the dedication, I'm going to ask the parents to uh, repeat a dedication after me. So, you know, like when you go to a wedding, oftentimes there's a section either with the rings or the vows where... Uh, the bride and groom repeat something that the pastor says. We're going to do something similar here where I'm going to say a line and they're going to repeat it. And it's their dedication that they're making about how, what they're committing themselves to as parents, which by the way, is going to line up with those three points uh, that I talked through here just a minute ago. And, um, and they're doing that in a public way in front of their community, which is you. And then after we go through that, then there's going to be a part for you that I'm going to ask you to repeat something because now as a part of their church, there's something that we as their church want to say to them and their children. Does that make sense in this? And I'm going to give you a chance to practice this. In fact, I'm going to have you practice this uh, right now because when we get to the real part, when we do this, I'm going to have you stand and we'll say that. Thank you. So and we're just going to practice this real quick. So here's your first line. Um, we are with you. So now I'm going to say, so repeat after me. We are with you. Okay. May God bless you and encourage you. Beautiful. Now here's the hard line. Ready? Amen. Yeah. Now say, you got it. Yeah. So in a minute, after they go through their part, then I'm going to turn to you and you're going to go through your part. And it's going to give you a chance, a role to respond publicly 
to them that the, yes, these are the values that, that we live for in this. And then we're gonna have just this short, precious moment where some of our elders are gonna come up and the elders are gonna just have a, just offer a private prayer of blessing over each family. We're gonna have a number of elders and they're just gonna pray for them uh, during that time. And they'll give you an opportunity to just kind of be a fly on the wall, but to also pray for them if you would like. And then I'll close this out uh, in prayer. So let me begin by just, we're gonna introduce all the families here and I'm gonna start down here. So tell me just who you are and who this is. I'm Travis, this is my lovely wife, Priscilla, and this is our baby boy, Giovanni. I know, it just gets too cute. <laughs> Got the hat and everything. I love it. Okay. I'm Jeremy. This is my wife, Maggie, and Leah. Oh. Yes, precious. Okay. Good morning, church. My name is Lola. This is my amazing husband, Eloho. Eliana, say hi, and Ezekiel. Thank you. Are you excited about this? Yeah. It's great stuff. Okay. I am Tim, this is my wife Jenny, our son Aurelio, Azalee, and we'll be dedicating Jabiah. Wonderful, wonderful. And she's just sleeping through the whole thing. Yeah, awesome. My name is Jason, this is my wife Marissa, and our two-year-old daughter, Tessa. Beautiful. My name is Whitney, this is my husband James, and this is our son Wesley Dobby, who's seven months today. Seven months today. Wow. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. Good morning, Cassis. Uh, we're the Chafins. This is my wife, Erica. I'm Jeremy. This is our daughter, Bailey Ray. And this is our son, Remington Danger. Wonderful. And by the way, I love your hat. That's awesome. This may be the first dedication where we had a genuine cowboy hat. Is it true Arizona dedication service. My name is Joshua. This is Whitney. And this is my daughter, Bella and Sophia. Wonderful. I love your dresses. Yes. Okay. Good morning. My name is Eliseo. This is my wife, Andrea. Hola. <laughs> Mi nombre es Ethan. And this is our daughter, Enixa. Wonderful. Good morning, everybody. My name is Arian. I have here with me Mayra and my daughter, Ariana Bell. And Ariana has three older siblings. They weren't able to make it today, but they're with us here in heart. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, I just love the families and the children that are represented here in this moment and that this is part of our community, and this is the generation, right? right? You're, you're seeing the next generation right up here that is someday gonna be leading this church and leading this uh, community, and this is our chance to say, okay, we're, we're gonna help them. We're gonna be behind this uh, in all of this. So um, I'm gonna just take a second here, and I'm gonna turn my back to you all, but it's not because I don't like you. It's just because this part isn't about you as much, okay? Um, it's about them and the parents that are making this dedication publicly uh, to our whole community uh, here. So, parents, I'm going to ask you to just eat after me. Okay, ready? 
uh, with God is my anchor of hope and faith. I trust who he created my child to be. With Jesus as my model, I will love them and help them to become all God created them to be. To love them with grace, to make their faith their own, to this Wonderful. Okay. So now, congregation, I'm going to ask you to stand, right? And you get to say this and declare this. It's wonderful parents and their children in this. Okay. Repeat after me. We are with you. And may God bless you and encourage you. Amen. Um, and at this time, I'm going to go ahead and ask the elders if the elders would uh, come up right now. And uh, you can go ahead and be seated. And uh, this is just, a, again, a special time where the elders uh, get to go ahead and just pray, uh, just privately, uh, for each of these families. And our elders are just, these are a number of our spiritual leaders within the church. And uh, they get to pray on our behalf here in this moment. And, um, and knock things over, but they're elders, so they get to do that. <laughs> uh, but so in this next moment, as they're praying for them, uh, you, if you want to just be a fly on the wall and just take this in and just look at these precious children and think about their future, you can do that. If you want to take a moment yourself and just pray for them, you get to do uh, that. But right now, I'm going to just let the elders go ahead and just begin praying for those families. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and uh, just close this prayer time here. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I just thank you for each and every one of these uh, children that are up here. I thank you for each and every one of these parents, guardians. And we just pray um, for your spirit to be with them all the days of their life. And we pray that you would just make yourself known to them that you would love them in a way that just garners their deepest trust in your son, Jesus Christ. 
and that you would help us as a church be a place that encourages the very best, that gives them a place to make their faith their own, that they get to be a part of the beauty of what your church is all about in this world. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. So, um, uh, church, can we just give them a round of applause for just... Yeah. Yes. Congratulations. And we will let you uh, move off the platform here. Yeah. Um, Y'all are the best-looking kids I've like anywhere in the world. Man, man, yes, yes. Um. <clears throat> so you get to be a part of a church that is is outwardly said. We will deliberately step in to be a church that is multi generational. To to invest ourselves even in sacrificial ways to help that next generation come up in a, in a beautiful way of knowing and following God. Um, and there's something that's so good about uh, God in all of this that we want every generation to know and understand. So um, the worship team is out here and is going to lead out in this song just about God's goodness, that God, that He is, we really can trust Him because of His goodness and beauty. So just take this song in and then I'll come back and close us out uh, this morning. Would you stand and sing this with us this morning?
gonna let me down Come on, sing that out you all could participate in a somewhat unique uh, service uh, where we got just get to live out that value in a tangible way right here in the service. So uh, before we close, let me just say, if you are new or visiting or a guest, so good to have you here. And if uh, we haven't had a chance to meet or shake hands, I'm going to be right over here at the those uh, two high top tables you see over there. I'd love to just shake your hand and meet you, greet you here uh, this morning. And if you're here and there's just something going on in your life that you'd love to have someone praying for you, I invite you, uh, we have some wonderful people in our prayer place over here that would love to pray for you this morning. And next Sunday, we kick off this next ministry season. So be here, think about who you'd want to invite to be a part of it. It's going to be a wonderful wonderful morning as we launch off into this next season of our church. May God bless you and keep you and turn his face towards you and smile at you. Amen. Have a great morning. See you next Sunday.